0: For so very long, it's been... Go on, George. Tell how it's gonna be. But in the end, the commission only said... We figured it 17 different ways. And every time we figured, it was no good. Because no matter how we figured it... But no matter how you figure it out, I still
1: don't get as much as anybody else.
2: Somebody don't like the way we figured it. So now, there's only one way to figure it. And that is every man for himself. When
3: back! Come. This is the end It's the end of the world It's the end of the world as we
0: know it Or is it now? As a new year hits, through it all, Beaver Nation moves ahead with resiliency and hope. Suns up, mm-hmm Looks okay, the world survives into another day now,
3: the rain is
0: gone And the way forward goes through... As it must, The Joe Beaver Show with John Warren and Mike Parker. A number
4: of times I heard these guys' voices over and over
0: and over. Still can't find it. Ah, can't find it? We can help. This is 1240. 1240. It's always been 1240. My client says it's 1240. Yeah, plus 93.7 FM and streaming live at kejoam.com and on the kejo app. It's The Joe Beaver Show.
4: Good morning, everybody, and welcome in. Today, Ron Callen, who called yet another uh, win the undefeated, 9-0. Huh. Oh. One of those, um, <laughs> I was listening to Rich Eisen earlier today driving around. By the way, Ron, at 1130, Emily Wisniewski, a phenom That's if ever there Ron. was one. Yeah. Emily will join us at 1205 looking forward to her story from her. I've been reading about her through Jesse Soa's fine articles mm-hmm. in uh, the Oregonian and Oregon Live locally here in the in the GT. The coverage of Emily's career has been uh, properly. It has been thorough. but m- more recently I've been reading stories and I talked about, you know, the sports Illustrated recognition with Dion on the cover. So because Dion's on the cover and the sports person of the year, Faces in the crowd is going to get more eyes on it. Well, Emily's one of the faces in the crowd in the national publication in the recent, most recent issue of Sports Illustrated. And then Angie Machado on this signing day at 1230. Right now, there are 10 official signees for Oregon State football in the class of 2023. Angie will talk about those young men with us a little bit later. Other news. That she's tracking and reporting on in BeaverBlitz.com. So it's a busy show. Ron Callan to talk about another big win and a dominant win, and to Leah Von Olhofen scoring her 1,000th career point. What goes on on the trip to Maui, what he's been involved with, he'll join us first. So Callan, Wisniewski, and Machado. Our lineup of guests today, I refer to the undefeated. <laughs> And I say that because I'm about to make a reference to a film that some of you have seen, but I was listening to Eisen with Feldman, and my just driving along, listening, and I, oh, oh, I like this. I, <laughs> I just kind of perked up when Eisen says to Bruce Feldman, he says, "Bruce, have you ever seen Casablanca?" <laughs> so I'm driving along, going, "Oh, good for you, Rich." And Feldman goes, eh, "No." And then somebody else in the room, Casablanca. I've seen maybe clips here and there. And then then the producer in the background is saying in the background, yeah, nice current reference, Rich. (laughs) And so I I was just proud of Rich for kind of holding his ground. And he kind of came back and said, we're talking about one of the classic films of all time. None of you guys have seen it. So I think good for you, Richard Eisen. Good for you, Rich. A Rich Eisen Show. Here's another (laughs) filmic reference. If you ever listen to Eisen, some of you may watch him, and maybe on TV it works a little better. I like him a lot. I've met him, conversed with him one time at a house in Northeast Portland. He came out to Portland to visit a a mutual friend, a friend of mine, and he kind of, I think, may have had a romantic interest at one time in a reporter for Channel 2 Sports or whatever right around in there. So I'm sitting in this friends of mine house to cry, and and Rich comes walking in, and his career was just kind of getting going. This is around... Oh, 97, 98. Was it mid 90s Yeah, he was starting to go. He was on ESPN and an anchor and funny. Yeah. But he was real nice. I enjoyed meeting him and conversing with him for a few minutes about things. But anyway, he was in Portland and that was the reason for the meeting. But Eisen, his show, if you listen to it, sounds as though you are watching or listening to a Robert Altman movie. Now, an Altman... Altman's a genius I love Altman films but when you watch an Altman film he kind of puts the camera over here and then people come and go within the the frame or the shot mm-hmm. and they're talking and different people are talking at once and you really have to lock in and kind of because the camera is almost it's barely there sometimes mm-hmm. but you have people moving about. And it really is well done. It's a technique where it's like you're overhearing conversations. You're standing standing. in the corner of the room. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of something Altman found or discovered and uses it well in some of his really great films. But Rich Eisen's show on radio, it's as though Altman put a microphone or a camera in the corner. I, I hear four or five people talking at once sometimes while trying to listen to it on the radio. So that's amusing to me on a certain level. Yeah, I'm serious. It'd be like Doug and TJ or yeah. Big Scotty walking in here right now and we're all just talking. <laughs> well, I went back <laughs> and they told me and then you start talking. I mean, that's the Rich Eisen show on radio. Huh. Now, maybe on television you kind of see. and you, Yeah, a little different. Yeah. yeah. But today with Feldman and then his other people, Bruce Feldman was aghast. He asked Feldman if he'd ever seen Casablanca. No. And then the... The scorn that he had to take for a nice current reference. Did he have a point though? Yes. He He was talking about gambling and sports and people being shocked that people, you know, the, the police inspector, he didn't name Claude Rains or Lieutenant Ray. No, I believe is the name, but Rains is brilliant in Casablanca. I like Claude Rains a lot, but his turn in Casablanca is as good as any supporting actor ever. He's funny, cynical, uh, in the end, heroic. I, I, Rains does a great job in that film, as all the actors do in Casablanca. But he's the one. The famous line, when he has to close down Rick's bar. Yeah. You know, because uh, the Nazi leader said to, "I want this place closed right now." Well, I have no reason to. Everybody's having such a good time. Claude Rains says, <laughs> "Think of a reason." So <laughs> Rains blows his whistle. This establishment is to be closed at once. Why, why, why? I'm shocked, shocked to find out there's gambling going on in here. <laughs> You're winning, sir. Oh, thank you. And he pockets them. Yeah, everybody out. Brilliant writing, brilliant scene. And Eisen referenced it today. It warmed my heart. But he was getting scorn from his people working behind yeah. this ad. Nice yeah. current reference. So I've got a current <laughs> reference for you. The Undefeated. Merlin Olsen and Roman Gabriel in it with John Wayne that, and Rock Hudson. That, that wouldn't be current. Well, it's much more current than Casablanca. <laughs> yeah, but that's it's, all I'm saying to you. It's not current. I think it's 1969, and it's one of those films where I said, <laughs> I said to my dad and parents, "We're gonna, Roman Gabriel and Merlin Olsen are in The Undefeated. <laughs> when are we going? We got to go. We got to go to the premiere at the Capri in West Covina. We didn't go to the capri but the whole family the opener the grand opening but dad and mom took my sister and me to see roman gabriel and merlin olsen rams members of my ram beloved rams teams acting in and merlin goes on to a nice career acting yeah. little house on the prairie what roman not was, so much
5: what was uh, the undefeated about
4: nah, i don't even remember so a it wasn't Western, a good movie not particularly good no john wayne rock hudson but I went because Merlin Olsen and Roman Gabriel in it. And every once in a while, it's called The Undefeated. Every once in a while, I'll still, if I see it scrolling across, oh, there, there's my guys. And I will watch <laughs> just a scene or two to see Merlin and Roman, heroes of mine in my youth. I've, I've never even heard of The Undefeated. But
5: uh, I can't mock you for old references because I'll, I'll pull out references of <clears throat> 70s and 80s movies uh, to make points. And you know, that's no different than pulling out Casablanca.
4: Okay, I have one more current one, a little more current. Twenty nineteen. How's that as a current? Yeah, that's okay. that's quite I saw us. it last night, and only because it's signing day and there yeah. could be news about flips and decommitments and you know the last minute signings mm-hmm. or whatever, we may get some news along lines, but perhaps I was watching a film last night that I don't highly recommend because again what do you want out of when you watch a movie what do you want escapism humor laughs uh, something to make you feel better maybe something that's oh, enjoyable it depends on the to genre watch. of movie right. you choose I'm about to mention a name of a film that if you're looking for for laughter and hilarity and and feeling good do not watch the film I'm about to mention <laughs> Even though it has one of the great actors, I think of our modern times in Jake Gyllenhaal or Gillen, whatever, however you is it Gillen or I think Gillen? It's I don't Gyllen like Gillen, Jay. Jake Gillenhall. I've never seen a more browbeaten guy play the tortured soul than him with his eyes. And I mean, he's great. He's a great actor, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. The movie is called Wildlife, set in Montana, and there's a moment in time in it. Where it's the only time I've ever heard, and by the way, I don't recommend a very depressing, well-acted story, but depressing uh-huh. beyond comprehension to me anyway. Yeah. yeah. So Jill <laughs> and Hall and Carrie Mulligan, who's from the Great Gatsby, the modern version of it anyway, anyway, they're sitting there at the table with their son, their fifteen year old, and they're talking about what he's gonna do in college. Oh, I wanna go where you went to school, mom and dad. I want to go to Washington State. And I thought, you know what? <laughs> There's how a many, line. Yeah. How many times There's a line. in the history of movies has that been uttered? I, Never. I I'm saying to you once there. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, but we'll
5: capture that for right. the right. I mix. I will
4: use it because the mom comes back with you know when we get into our love and our solidarity, and yeah. you know we're the pack two, and just the two of us, and we can make it if we try. And, right? Uh, you know, uh, with a little luck, we can make this just you make this whole darn thing work out. Yeah, yeah. A, I mean, I'm building a, 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 a in my mind and open for next year. We've got some ideas uh, you we, you yeah. and I've talked yeah. about. We're going to find a way, but we're still going to be ultimately competitive with the with our brother. You know, oh, in yeah, Washington course, State, you course. know, in the Pac-2 championship game, November 23rd <laughs> at Reeser. Right? De anyway, facto. Yeah, exactly. So I love it because the son says, I want to go where you guys went to school. I want to go to Washington State. Mom <laughs> says, Nah, you don't want to do that. <laughs> I mean, that's go. brilliant. That is brilliant. That'll make an open somewhere along Absolutely. the way. The recruiting pitch. Oh, yes. I
5: want to go to Washington yeah. State. Yeah, uh, I I don't want to do, do that. <laughs>
4: they they're trying to tell him now. they're not disparaging washington state per se <laughs> no. but they're trying to say you could you know you could go bigger you could right. go to an ivy league school <laughs> right, you're right, smart right. you could do this you can do that
5: <laughs> yeah you know those are golden
4: lines because uh, they don't somebody
5: very, had to have had some connection right. The film set
4: in Montana.
5: Yeah, and it's right, you know, close by. You get by. a little
4: Portland makes its play in there. You All hear so right. oh, is Mom still in Portland, or are you still in Portland? And yeah, So, yeah. I mean, it's got a little bit of the Pacific Northwest feel. No one else out there that we're speaking to has seen that film, so they can't <laughs> comment about how ultimately depressing it is. But it is brilliantly acted.
5: Does the brilliant acting trump? The boring or the uh, the, the the
4: downward for me. spiral for not it. for me and no, nor for my wife Missy and we both just huh, that was fun you yeah know? yeah well, I mean it just you want to get
5: really depressed Manchester by the Sea I hear oh, so gosh.
4: I hear so which I also hear is brilliantly active. Oh, absolutely but you, but,
5: but you just come out feeling uh yep.
4: Uh. Uh-huh. So the different one of my favorite moments in the original The Naked Gun film when Leslie Nielsen and Priscilla Presley walk out of the platoon <laughs> uproarious laughter. Uh-huh. <laughs> Such a good gag. Hey, John, good morning. We've got a lot to get to but the undefeated Oregon State women's basketball team playing late last night. Yeah. Ron will kind of bring us up to date on that in a few minutes. Emily Wisniewski at 1205, and I just, the world at this young person's feet in terms of everybody wanting her and reaching out. And I just wonder in her life, I know her dad was an All-America distance runner at Michigan. Uh, Great articles by Jesse Soa about Emily's journey and the the incredible records that she set and the Mm -hmm. career she's having. This junior at Crescent Valley High School. Is a national story. Uh, just finished third nationally at Glendevere Finished second at the Nike Outdoor nationally last year, setting a sophomore record in the 5,000 at the Nike Outdoor June or this past summer, early June, I believe. So she's just setting record after record and eclipsing records, and by 20, 23 seconds. I mean, just shattering records. So everybody in the country. For, who has cross country and track and field, covet her, yeah. want her. Oh yeah. And thus how does she and her world and, and to me, I'm just I'm fascinated by, I think we all are to a certain extent by the incredible discipline that it takes to be a long distance runner. <laughs> I could and what they do and how they do it, I just I, I I'm well, amazed now, at now that you, you, you do it though. No, John <laughs> But <laughs> you're a runner. Well, no, everybody... I, I don't. But, John, what I do, Dominic would atta- Dominic, call now. I'm not a runner, nor are you even, Dominic, by comparison oh, to what we're well, talking about here. It, it's what, you know, you know, it's a little bit like... Uh, Somebody, you know, yeah, I, I kind of play around with uh, with the violin, you know. Oh, okay, well, but you're.
5: <laughs> and she's a virtuoso. Yes, so. exactly.
4: Well, I mean, for times, yes. And, and so I, if, yeah, but, but the commitment and the discipline and the ability to get to where she is fascinates me. But it also makes me wonder, therefore, the ability to be that disciplined, I would assume then it carries itself over into the ability to compartmentalize when it comes to every letter and call and text. Well, and that could be. You know what I mean? How how does she, does she have people that are helping her sift all of that out? Does she herself do it and kind of manage where she wants to take her visits? And, you know, Dad says, according to one of Jesse's articles, Mike Wisniewski, uh, she'll go on her own visits except maybe to the old alma mater. <laughs> he might go with her to <laughs> Michigan just for old time's sake when that visit inevitably comes, but I'm just curious to hear from her, how she's kind of dealing with all of that, because again, that is, you know, she lives a life with which I'm not familiar. Very few of us are familiar when everybody, well, you can, we want you, we want you, we want you, and how that, I mean, there's got to be, I would hope, an element of, "Eh, it's pretty cool, everybody, but also an element of some pressure involved in that. I would yeah think, because, a little bit too because you don't like to
5: let people down. Right. There's a lot of these kids that are just such sweet kids. I I mean I, I would feel the same way. It's like I don't I don't want to have to tell them no because they're telling you nice things and they want you. But ultimately you're going to have to tell somebody no. So I don't think everybody
4: but one. Yeah, and I don't <laughs>
5: think there's any way to avoid that. Yeah, if you want to utilize however many I don't know how many uh, trips that a, a cross country runner gets. Football gets what five? I think. Well, I think that's
4: true for all student athletes. I don't know if the number changes in five terms trips. of visits. Angie, Angie could enlighten us yeah, about that. Yeah, that and, would be something she about would know. other sports.
5: But right. you, you know, you would, you, if you're doing your due diligence and you want to spread it out, unless you're just such a fan that you want to go somewhere and you just want to go there. But you take five trips and they, you know, wine and dine you, and then you got to tell them no.
4: And you have unofficial visits off the charts, though too. Yeah, you can drive to them. Official visits, and then a,
5: as many as you want to go to. Unofficials, which is why we have said for years, which is why places like Texas and L.A. and Florida have advantages. In Los Angeles, all those athletes, all those athletes, can just on their own drive to the to the uh, the Rose Bowl or drive to the Coliseum. True. And see USC and UCLA and all those
4: four and five star athletes. Uh, unofficial visits. Speaking of four and five and three and stars, Mm -hmm. today is signing day. The best part, not just the Casablanca stuff, but really enjoyable conversation, which we'll sum up here in a moment. About a year from now, Feldman and Eisen both said, look, people don't know what's coming. We'll talk about that after a quick break before we hit Ron Cowell. We'll take another before we uh, go to Maui and visit with Ron. So that's the lay of the land today. Ron coming up in a few minutes, Emily Wisniewski, and Angie Machado. Thanks for joining us on the Joe Beaver Show. Just a quick thought before we break again and come back with Ron from Maui. The Feldman-Eisen conversation, I kind of jumped in in the middle of it, but Feldman, the outstanding writer for The Athletic, he's Mm -hmm. been a guest on this show He's a great writer. He, Did we have Bruce? Yeah, he, Bruce on? has been on. He's tremendous. Does a great job. But he was he and Rich were talking about Eisen was saying that there needs to be a commissioner of college football. They not George or Larry, but there needs to be somebody overseeing this whole chaotic madness and, and reining it in and creating some sense of stability and mm-hmm. rules and guidelines mm-hmm. or whatever else. Maybe not as severe as Kennesaw Mountain Landis in sp- in spite of the verdict of juries, <laughs> the great scene in Eight Men out. I recently saw that so good yeah so so they're saying we need to have that because what Feldman and Eisen were talking about, Johnny, was a year from now, it's all he, he said Feldman said a coach told him. Can you imagine yeah. a year from now, the playoffs will be starting this so week w- right now. Right, there will be games. With the portal opening and early signing day and a game, games and playoff games right. to get ready for. Not just a bowl, one bull game off down the road. Right. All this stuff, He, the coach just said, it's about impossible
5: to do all of that. So think of that. yeah, It's crazy. And it's too bad that they're going to do one year of it unless they make changes beforehand. Before they see how chaotic it is and say,
4: ah, we gotta
5: change something. But who's gonna get together and say we have to change something? Because that would
4: be done now. That's the that's the great question that Eisen and Feldman asked exactly that. How mm-hmm. can, how can everybody get on a similar page when everybody is, as our open says, everyone, every man for himself right. trying to right. carve out the best possible deal for them, their <laughs> league, their program, their team. It's the world we live in when some sort of there's no, no oversight coming together, right? Now. right. And, and they said Chip Kelly ought to be the guy because well, yeah. his ideas are good and sound. And then they talked about Greg Sankey, and they talked about Jim Phillips, and they talked about Kevin Warren. I think the guy who yeah, left the yeah. Big Ten. But he said there's got there maybe somebody who can take this in hand because next year will prove, I think, that this is not sustainable. Right. A year from now, right. trying to do all of these things at the same time, the playoff, the portal, Bowl and games, signing day. Sign yeah. Transfers. How, how does it happen?
5: Guys going early to the NFL, so they're not with their teams. I'd be curious, too, next year, I wish we could fast-forward time, to see how many how many people leave their teams if they're still in the playoffs.
4: <laughs> see, now that's a great point, too. <laughs> Think about that.
5: Yeah. Can you imagine telling your coach, yeah, I think I need to get ready for the NFL draft.
4: Right, get ready for the NFL draft. Honestly, if you're
5: not going to be in the top five, you you should, don't even do it. You know, don't even consider yourself getting ready for anything. But that would just be me as a coach. It's very interesting to see next year how many people bail on their team for the draft Mm -hmm. or for the transfer portal if they're in the playoffs.
4: Yeah, I mean, and you... Because right now, the Bulls don't seem to matter at no, all. No, and the playoffs may not, again, if you're in the portal and the nil world has ramped up to yeah. different programs have, you yeah. may be in the playoff, but yeah, I want to, I'm tr- into the portal because I, my agent tells me I can get 1.6 if I go here. Unless, so
5: what's the deal? It's 30 days, December 4th to January 4th. Yeah. If players were smart, they should just keep playing for their team in an early December twenty six, seven, eight, nine, whatever, play for their team and then go in the transfer portal. Well, if you don't want to make people mad, you want to stay with your brothers. Yeah, okay, but instead it, they just go on I, December fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh and they bail on your
4: team. Well, I know, I know because <laughs> the market you got a hot offer, and that's essentially what it is. It's a free agent port market, and you can call it the transfer portal. It's free agency. If the,
5: if the team is saying. And it's now or never. Well, that you're going to. It's now or never. We well, got, sure wh- got another quarterback. i what
4: we got another quarterback. We're looking at,
5: and we, I, and and we would I do think have you. that
4: type of stuff. Go. I mean, that stuff. Wow. Ridiculous stuff goes on. It's got it. And what they hear. One of the one of the new coaches on the Beaver staff told me uh, that uh, he said, "Out there, it's crazy out there." You know, yeah. he, he's now on the staff, and he told me. He said. People are telling our potential recruits and kids that, hey, Oregon State may not even have an athletic department in two years. You don't want to go there. That's the type of stuff, just the crap. Mm. Sorry for that. No. I don't say words like that very often, but that type of stuff is all over. And so a year from now, right now, a year from now, if the portal rules and calendar and all that Mm -hmm. isn't Mm changed, There are people tampering, poaching. Jonathan Smith, I said his name there, he's a former coach here. He told me weeks ago, he yeah. said, i got guys coming into the room telling me, Coach, I'm hearing this from this program and that. Just the tampering and right. the poaching right. is awful. Right. It's flat out awful. And there's it's just no a oversight. ridiculous world. There is no oversight. And it's going only going to be worse a year from now. That's uh, absolutely right. In the meantime, we have good stuff going on around here, including the undefeated. Merlin Olson, Roman Gabriel, John Wayne, Rock Hudson, and the Oregon State women's <laughs> basketball team. And the voice, Ron Callen, joins us next on the Joe Beaver Show from Maui. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. Mike Parker, John Warren, uh, please forgive the, the profane, vulgar, monosyllabic word I used moments ago. I, th- I I don't say stuff like that very often, but I was agitated enough to say it. I, I think you're okay. All right, well, I know, but I don't, It just that... You, you, I, the you, world you, we're in now. You, just, wouldn't
5: be, uh, you wouldn't be. You wouldn't be characterized as a drunken sailor.
4: Well, yeah. That, thank you for that. You know that our daughter, El, precious sweet girl, came to us once and said, "Mom, I heard the S word at school today." And we went, "Oh boy, that's not a good thing." <laughs> oh, and later, later, we said, "Now, you know, we don't." And she just was almost crying and said, "Yeah, somebody called somebody else stupid." Oh no. The S word. Oh, for her at that time in her precious life. So, that was the S
5: word. So my life is like the kid Ralphie in the Christmas show where he says through of course the uh, uh the narrator, my dad, my old man could weave a tapestry of swear words <laughs> as he's battling with right. a furnace downstairs. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I will say that's not... So that word escaped my lips moments ago, the C word in this case. Yeah. (laughs) And I apologize if it did offend sensibilities. I don't engage in that very often. Even if other things occasionally float through the head. I do. Try not to articulate I I got a bad mouth sometimes. But... I lose it. A guy who I don't... I've never heard really a profanity ever escape this next man's lips... I don't think I have either. Yeah, uh, that's the type of uh, the way he comports standing himself. Even when we talking no, amongst that, ourselves. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He is Ron Callen, the voice of Oregon State women's hoops. We'll be together in uh, El Paso soon at the Sun Bowl. And Ron joins us from Maui not only to talk about the 92-69 win over oh. southeastern Louisiana last night at the Maui Classic to get the Beavers to 9-0, and a tremendous start. Ron Callen joins us. We'll talk about what else the team is doing and their involvement in the community there. But, Ron, great call. Late last night for our purposes. Congratulations. And uh, how much fun are you and the team having? This must be high times for the program to be in Maui and to be undefeated.
1: Well, this is special, and I'll get to that. But I I just caught the tail end. I know a song about a drunken sailor. (laughs) I don't want to sing it right now, but... You're a uh, good singer, though. uh, You know what? Uh, This has been a a unique trip to Maui for a lot of different reasons. The number one reason, and I brought it up this morning early with John Warren, is that when we got here uh, on Sunday, we went up into the mountains of Maui to a farm owned by Talia Von O'Hoffman's family where they put together, and they've been planning this for a while for the team, an incredible, authentic Hawaiian luau. Not the kind you see down here at the hotels, which are fun, mm-hmm. and people get to dance, and you have the hula dancers and the guys who run around and turn on—you know—they they light the uh, torches and they have the conch conch horns. But this is like you know the Kalua pig in the ground, and they're on a farm, and there were a bunch of goats and pigs and dogs and deer, and uh, the players were going crazy. But then the solemnity and the seriousness of blessing the food, Talia's aunt singing. Uh, to everyone, and in fact, uh, this, is, this is not a cheap plug, but we captured a lot of it on this week's Beaver Sports Podcast, guys. It'll go up later today. Actually, She uh, was unique, and uh, her mother, uh, Tondi, I don't know if you know much about Talia's mother, Tondi Red von Hoffen. she went to Kamiakin High School, guys, and she was such a great athlete. She was offered scholarships in four different sports Whoa. coming out of high school. And she wound up playing basketball at the University of Hawaii. And so she's a hoopster, and, you know, she's so proud of her daughter who's fought through, you know, she, you know they canceled the high school tournament her senior year, so actually came to, she actually came to Oregon State early and uh, got, got a little jump start on being a college basketball player. She's healthy this year. Last night, 15 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. She's been consistently like that. In the last few games, that her confidence, you know, just reemerges because she is this team leader of this Oregon State Beavers team. And last night, of course, oh, well, I guess it was second quarter, she got her ninth point, which gave her, uh, <laughs> you know, an invitation into the 1,000-point club at mm-hmm. Oregon State, which, you know, that's, that always says, you know, that, she's, that you're not only around a while, but you're pretty productive.
5: Yeah, that was a, you know, during a seven-point run for her. On that big run, what was it, 24-2 to that brought the team back after being down yeah. 10-4 to uh, southeast yeah. Louisiana. Uh, Ron Ron Callen joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. So it, it, it seems like s- someone different in the three or four will step up and be the leading scorer every game. It's not always Reagan Beers, although this time it was with 19, Talia with 18, but uh, this is a very balanced team, isn't it?
1: It's a deep team, too. Yeah. And, you know, all through this non conference season, Scott's been experimenting with different quintets. Which ones are going to be the most productive? Which players are going to be most consistent? Which players, you know, just know how to bang the boards because their rebounding percentage, you know, compared to the opponents is so much better. And their assist to basket ratio is really good this year. So, yeah, A.J. Marat, she was, you know, she was on a mission last night there was some kid that apparently was at the school they went to that said hey I saw you you said you could shoot really well prove it this <laughs> kid yeah was like about nine years old <laughs> wow <clears throat> and so she she said man that gave me some extra incentive so she had three three and she was you know but she's a good shooter yeah anyway yeah at the same time there was a girl who last year met her at a school and this shows you the importance of of being a mentor and an example, you know, um, uh, uh, to these kids over here on the islands who never see college basketball, not at that level, especially. Right. And, uh, maybe have never met a college basketball player. This girl about nine came up to her and said, I met you last year. And you are such, it's such an honor to, to have met you and to watch you play. Mm. And so that, that, Brought a tear to AJ's eye. Wow. And so it's not just about winning basketball games over here. This tournament is different than others, guys. As Scott Ruick said at the opening ceremonies, you go to a tournament in, let's say, the Bahamas, or you're, you know, we, we've been to Puerto Vallarta, Vancouver. You go and you play the games, very few people there, but you go have a good time. Here, like we had a packed house last night, mm. and it was, of course, it, there, was, there was no cost for the tickets, but they're raising money for, you know, wildfire relief. And so it was really the first event they've had on Maui featuring uh, basketball teams from the States. And because the men were forced to go to Honolulu this year because the Lahaina Civic Center did not burn down, but apparently the electronics were fried. So that's a pretty extensive uh, refit. And so they played in Honolulu. So right here on Maui at this private school, which is the only place available because the Kihei Community Center in Lahaina—they are basically shelters and relief locations still, hmm. because there are thousands of people who are houseless. A lot of them live, living in hotels still, and you know it's it's not over. But if you know Derek Sebastian, who you may know, who I'm talking about, is the ukulele master who's played the national anthem for. Uh, so many games over here for us, but he's also played the National Anthem, Mike, at Dodger Stadium.
3: Mm-hmm. He's
1: played before Laker games, Cleveland Cavalier games, Diamondbacks, Giants. and this summer, you know, I had one contact with the Mariners, and I called him and I sent him a video of Derek, and so he played at the Mariners game this year. And so he he is he's just in love with the Beavers, and he actually on our podcast this week, and it's on Twitter. He sings a song for Beaver Nation, guys, or he plays a song because it's it's ukulele, but. Yeah, He is like the uh, Les Paul, you know, or who else can I say? You think about the best guitar players. He may be one of the top five world's best, as he says, ukulele mm-hmm. players. Wow.
4: Ron, there's a lot going on there that's really cool and, and just great stuff that you're sharing with us. I wanted, to, I wanted to get back to several things you just touched on in well, that answer. Ron Callen joining us. One is... Talia's aunt, you're saying that's where the luau took place on Sunday night. Yes. Okay, now is that's that well, law, yes. well yes. out of the city? You say up in the hills and all those animals you described. Is that just the kind of place that Talia's aunt has? It is a kind of a, a, a rural type setting with those creatures you were talking about.
1: Yeah, you know, it's not a big house, I got a three bedroom, you know, two bathroom home, but it's on a big piece of property, mm-hmm. and it's in a part of. Uh, Mali I, I would say from the hotels down here was almost an hour drive mm. and it was up in the hills and it, it, there's you know the, the lot's are really big and they laid out this whole area where they dug a hole and they put the the, the pig in there and it cooked all day long and then they they went and shredded up the the, the kalua pork I mean it was a process and, and and there is music they do play music but uh, the blessing was really special to me because, you know, they the people the, the the islanders, you know, the Hawaiians respect nature and want to pay homage to nature for giving them so much, you know, and that's nice to to see that in person, firsthand, right? You see it on TV shows and stuff. To see it firsthand, mm-hmm. and and that was a, it was almost solemn, but at the same time, once people started eating, it was you know it was a celebration. Sure. and and they were thrilled to have the team there, and the team was like, "Just this is un- unbelievable." Yeah, the day they will never forget, guys.
4: Absolutely, what a great experience! Now, have you seen firsthand, Speaking of seeing things and experiencing something firsthand, the devastation from the wildfires. I mean, are you are you a witness to that? Where you're staying, can you see the effects of it?
1: You know, it's about twenty miles from here. Okay. And you know, it's just not on the itinerary. Mm-hmm. I think one side says, well, do you want to go be a cocker? You know, right. but the other yeah. thing is, is that the, the ash still has toxic materials in the heart of Lahaina
3: hmm.
1: that they're, they're cleaning up and they're working on it, but it's not there yet. But uh, Derek Sebastian, he, he goes through the whole day of the fire on the podcast with me, wow. and it is... It is uh, you know it, it's not happy go lucky conversation because he knew many people mm-hmm. who were impacted severely by the fire, right so uh, it, it's tough, but at the same time, I mean you're sitting here where we are right now we're in the lobby of the, the hotel where we're staying right uh, in Tihei, and you wouldn't you wouldn't know there was a fire
4: mm-hmm. okay hey, and, and well. the final thing, Ron from me and John, we've got a lot of things you've just touched on the podcast just sounds like absolutely gold. You know, you always do a great job on the what the features you're talking about. We look forward to to hearing that. But the the uh, you mentioned the schools and the kids. You told me yeah. you're a good shooter. What what did that entail this year? What what did uh, the players get to do in terms of interacting with with kids? Where and and how exactly?
1: Well, you know, one of the greatest players on the Beavers, not as a basketball player. I mean, she's a great player, but Reagan Beers is crazy about kids. She wants to be an elementary school teacher someday. And so she's there, and it's like she's in her element. She's playing four-square with the kids. A.J. gets out and plays uh, pick-up hoops. Uh, There are question-and-answer sessions with fifth-graders, and they're asking questions way out in the blue. One of the fifth-graders asked uh, uh, Adley Blacklock and Reagan, Jordan or LeBron? (laughs) That kind of stuff, you know? (laughs) And questions like that. And what's your favorite color? And, mm-hmm. uh, and stuff that you you and I would probably never ask, guys, you know, because yeah. we're trying to get that pregame game interview or whatever. But, yeah, I, I'm I'm just lucky to be here. This is our seventh time. If you can believe that. And Oregon State puts on this show, and, and they're, they're so proud of what they've done here. And uh, tonight, though, Texas Tech, guys, I watched mm-hmm. them play. They're big. They're strong. They were undefeated. But Tulsa, surprisingly, they have beaten three Power Five conference teams this year. They haven't done that for 15 years. And they were so pumped up when they beat Texas Tech last night. And, and the atmosphere is great. So it'll be tough. But, you know, it's gonna, I'm going to keep an eye on tonight. It's Adley Blacklock. She grew up in Lubbock. She grew up a stone throw from Texas Tech. And she didn't go there. She said, I wanted to get out of Lubbock. I want to see the world. So, because Lubbock, I, I was there when I did for two years. You know, I did University of Portland Men's Hoops before. I came on with the Beeves. And we went to Lubbock for a tournament with Bobby Knight, was the coach there, because I was doing the mm. play-by-play for the men.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: We got into the arena, guys, to set up our gear myself, and a guy named Jason Bro, who's been with the Pilots forever. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the, the team walks in, and Bobby Knight starts screaming at them. I mean, it was like and he didn't know we were in there. So we kind of almost, like, crunched down and hid for a
3: while. Oh,
1: time. oh. And it got to one of the, the tunnels that get out, because our gear is pretty much set up, but to watch Bobby in action. And mm-hmm. It was fascinating, but, boy, he did not hold back. Right. Oh, right. my and, goodness. You know, because, so that was that was a memory for us coming out of Lubbock.
5: Last thing, Ron, um, share, if you would, what you shared with me this morning about the fact that it's a, it's a beaver tournament, and Scott has a connection with... Hawaii, and ultimately Oregon State.
1: Well, yeah. Uh, I, I was walking with Scott up on, uh, at the school, which is a beautiful school up in the hills, not too far from the Talia's Farm, but it's a private school, and they've got an incredible gymnasium that we've been using for this tournament. And so we're walking by the, the main building, and all of a sudden he goes, you know what? I've been here before. I was invited to a camp in the summer of 2010 or the late spring. And uh, <laughs> he goes, this is where I got a text from uh, a reporter saying that the coach at Oregon State had been let go. And so then he goes, wow, you know, should I, should I apply for this job? And he did. And, of course, uh, <laughs> the rest is history, right? But he yeah. was at that spot. So it was kind of like Scott telling him, I've come full circle. And, yeah. you know, 14 years later. So uh, you know, he, he 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 thought that was pretty special that uh, he actually the memory bank. Right. You know, no no just, question there. you you coaching and you're, you're traveling so much, things little things like that can, can escape escape the brain waves, but it came back to him, and uh, he's so proud of the fact that you know he's a D not that many D3 coaches move right into Power Five D1.
4: Right. And yeah. and then have the the type of success, the incredible program that he's built, and it feels like. Tonight, I think, is going to be a test. We'll close on this. Kind of a test. Yeah. They're 9-0, and and they're 9-0, and and for the most part, dominating teams. Do you feel like tonight presents a real test of, okay, okay, you're winning this game, you won that game big, you win this game big. If you, can, if you win again tonight, it just seems tonight could underscore that, hey, this team is good. I mean, it's not just a, a function of schedule. They're really building something potentially quite good, not only this year, but years beyond.
1: They're all engaged. When you go to practice, no one's screwing around. They get it. They are on a mission. They want to show the world how special they can be. Will that continue tonight? I mean, Texas Tech has a couple of bigs who are strong. I don't think they're that fast a team. Like, Southeast Louisiana was fast last night. But uh, they couldn't keep up with the big size and and the shooting ability with 12 three-pointers. Now, the thing is, guys, if they win tonight and they win on the 28th, when John Warren's going to do, by Vegas. I'll be with you in El Paso, mm-hmm. Mike. On the 31st is the conference opener, what's going on in Eugene? Oh, oh. Yesterday, oh. Yeah. the Ducks went to St. George, Utah mm-hmm. to play Utah Tech. Utah Tech made 21 of 31 from three-point range yeah. and beat the Ducks yesterday.
4: Yeah. yeah, I saw that, uh, 92-86. And John has in his notes that he used this morning on the Clue Morning Update, a lot of triple-double in and, and you rarely editorialize when you're doing stories, but, John, you put it in your copy this morning in an embarrassing 92-86 loss to Utah Tech. He wrote that word. Yeah, it's your choice. Well, or yeah, it. yeah. Okay. And
5: well, I should have saved it for when Oregon <laughs> lost by 31 to the Portland Pilots
4: this year.
1: So Right. Hey, you know, hey, hey, think, yeah, go ahead. You know, real quick, the other thing, this would be the last time the Ducks come to Gill as a Pac-12 team. Yeah. On New Year's Eve, 2 o'clock. I would love to see Mm
3: -hmm. a lot of
1: people. They're busy on New Year's night, but not in the afternoon. So pop on over to Gil.
4: Absolutely. Ron, great stuff. Thank you. Always look forward to seeing you next uh, soon down in El Paso for the Sun Bull. Thanks for all of the uh, background on the great experiences you and the team are having together over there, and the background on Scott getting the message about the Oregon State job being open and it hit him. No, that's all just golden, and thank you, Ron, for sharing it with us. We'll be listening tonight pregame at nine nine thirty tip from Maui. Thanks for joining us, Ron. Have a great rest of the well, day. Real
1: quick, Mike. Yeah. Real quick, we'll do a bowl special podcast with Mike Parker as one of the stars. Oh. So just be ready. Well, yeah, okay. You,
4: you, you want to build an audience, not deflate it. Hey, th- <laughs> thanks for hey, Ronnie. Thanks for the uh, thanks for all the time. Right, as right. always, we appreciate it. That was a loaded conversation today. Oh, yeah, with all hey, of the well, things that they're anecdotes. experiencing. We'll take a final break this hour. a Quick one. Come back. Wrap things up. I have of all things an old song and an old film. Not that old of a film. Not Casablanca. Ask not the undefeated. Kind of in between the undefeated and wildlife. As he spoke of life over there, a really underrated and good movie I like a lot. Maybe you've seen with George Clooney. We'll talk about it when we come back on the Joe Beaver Show. The Descendants. Have you seen it, George Clooney? Not only have I not seen it, I never heard of it. It's a good film with a with a heart, with a soul. It, yeah. It's sweet. There's a sweetness to it. So I just throw that out there, and I don't even remember what island. Maybe Maui. I don't know. Kauai, perhaps. I've I've not been to Maui ever. I've been to Kauai and Hawaii and <laughs> Oahu. Those well, are the islands what's I've the been to. the one that
5: I've been to at the Stan Shirt Center? That's Oahu. Okay.
4: And it's not the big island. It's the, I don't know, call it the main, I, but the big island is Hawaii.
5: What's what, famous?
4: What's on there? Yeah, it's pretty big.
5: Uh, I know, but is there
4: a big the Col- city or well, beach? Well, Hilo, Hilo, where Red Rocha hails from. Oh, okay. Okay, anyway. The Descendants. I like it a lot actually. Is that the
5: one where they film things like Jurassic Park and mm, Lost? I'm not uh, sure, maybe. With the sweeping
4: Maybe. Yeah, I I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. But if anyone out there you know has seen The Descendants and knows what island, feel free. But when Ron was describing the goats the, the goats and the people <laughs> and the, and the love of the land and the, yeah. and that's what The Descendants is ultimately all about. Yeah. The the backstory about, you know, the the terrible a motorboat accident and the infidelity that was taking place and all of that. Yay. that That's not nearly as, when I say it's got a sweet and a hard mm-hmm. s- story to it, it does because of what George, the revelation he sort of comes to about the beauty of the place and the land mm. it's really well done the descendants i'm giving it to you as a film to consider i'll try to remember now it. mac i think kim would like it i think she would i think yeah. most people would like it Yeah, well, most people like it i'll take it your word mac davis he thought that happiness was lubbock texas in his rearview mirror when he, when he was describing Who lubbock texas yeah but then i've been to lubbock I never have. You have. I've yeah. never been to Lubbock. Yeah.
5: That but, was a basketball game, women's game, 20 years ago when when Judy Spolster, right. the head Mike, coach. and you found out. Met me. And I was downstairs, and she was, what are you? I said, what are you? Oh, I'm just going out to dinner with my cousin. Who's, who's that, you
4: asked? Mike Leach. Right. How about that? Yeah. But the beauty, the spoiler alert, at the end of Mac Davis's song, it's uh, coming back home to Lubbock is the sweetest and best thing <laughs> he ever did. But he thought had Texas in his rearview mirror. Sounds a little bit like the Oregon State women's Hooper. But I'm sure in the end we'll come back to loving from whence she came and wants to beat him tonight, though. Ron Callan with a pregame at 9. Emily Wisniewski coming up
0: next. Is on the air. Twenty two, twenty two, 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 twenty, Come
6: twenty.
3: In. After
0: all the uncertainties of the past two years, there's been an expectation and a hope for a more normal twenty two, twenty three. But now the question is: do you know where you're going to? USC and UCLA do They're both Big Ten schools. Yeah, but where does that leave the rest of us? Who could possibly answer that question? a strange new era of analytics mad transfers i didn't get hit well, it looks to me like you portaled it a what you know portal from wherever you were to here what's that it's a, a different kind of portal mm. it's just changed so radically and we're all I need to catch up. And realignments both the pencils. Yeah. Who's next, who's next, next? All we do know is the boys are back, and the Joe Beaver Show plots its own course. Now there are a few more topics that we have to cover, and we will not talk about transfers, and we will not talk about my mother. We will talk about what I want to talk about. Fair enough. Who's next? Who's next, next? Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? Joe Beaver is on 1240
4: Joe Radio. Now that open will hold its uh, appositeness for a long time because of the who's next and the Professor Tom Lehrer asking that question in the mid-60s. It will hold that question forever. In our case, we are delighted the answer to the question who's next on the Joe Beaver Show. A very special guest that we've been reading about and reading and hearing about with great admiration for several years now and this is the first time we've had the honor of having Emily Wisniewski who's now a junior at Crescent Valley High School and setting all manner of records and being recognized in the august publication known as Sports Illustrated in the most recent edition Dion on the cover but in Faces in the Crowd, Crescent Valley's own Emily Wisniewski recognized for just some of the amazing things that have been happening in her life. The Oregonian Oregon Live Girls Cross Country Award winner, runner of the year. Emily Wisniewski, kind enough to join us today on the Joe Beaver Show. Emily, good afternoon. Congratulations on all the great things that you've been accomplishing. How are you doing with school out and how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on
4: the show. Have you had your run yet today? When do you do your workouts?
2: Um, yeah, on breaks like this, I normally run in the morning. But today, um, I'm throwing some cross-shading in for the next couple of weeks. So uh, I just got done with the elliptical.
4: Is that a setup in your own home?
2: Uh, no, I normally do at the Timberhill Hill
4: gym.
5: Okay, gotcha. Do you have someone giving you um, programs and, and a schedule? Or is this you on your own putting it all together?
2: Yeah, on the off-season... My dad helped
4: me with a lot of training, but yeah, I mean, during the season, my coach is completely training me. Emily Wisniewski joining us. Emily, the Jesse Soa has written some tremendous articles of late about you and the Oregonian, which I, I'll kind of reference here as we go. But one of the things that Jesse refers to, your father, Mike, who was an All-America distance runner at Michigan said that you, yeah, you, you are a student. You're, you're kind of a student of the sport, but some of these things, the lifting, doing things, you know, we're focusing on hip mobility, core strengthening, plyometrics, jump training. I don't know what jump training is exactly, but have you kind of, John asked you if, if you, if you've been given a program, have you been kind of finding your own way in some of these training methods? Yeah,
2: definitely. Just like incorporating, like, Uh, different kind of workouts into my schedule to, like, help my fitness, and, uh, yeah, my dad helps me come up with some of those, so I think it's been helpful, especially in the off-season for, like, training, so.
4: What is jump training? What does that mean?
2: Um, I think he's more referring to, like, stairs and, like, uh, like, box jumps or, like, more, like, uh, plyometrics into, Mm -hmm. like, sprints. (laughs)
4: Okay. Emily, your own entrance into the the high level of, of running that you are competing in and excelling in, it sounds as though, I mean, I love sort of the story, it's not that long ago in your life, it may feel like it to you, to us it isn't, but as a third grader, about kind of when the running bug began to hit you, your mom, Lauren, was running on the trip, Ross Trails, and you once asked her, Mom, can I go along with you? I mean, how did, is that kind of the beginnings of it? Tell us a little bit of how it began there and then evolved into what you're doing now.
2: Yeah, so I was playing soccer. Uh, that was my main sport. And then, yeah, I wanted to join my mom for a run, and I, I enjoyed it, so I continued joining her. And then... It helped me, yeah, get to another level and get better. And then, eventually, I joined track and field in middle school, and that's when I started competing and really enjoying it the most.
5: Do you have a deep competitive nature when you look at times? Are you just rabid about breaking those times and and breaking all these records that you have, or uh, or not so much?
2: Um, yeah, I think looking at times and if they're achievable, I think that's, um, like, motivating to go for. But, yeah, otherwise, um, I think, yeah, I'm motivated by a lot of different things.
4: Emily Wisniewski, a junior at Crescent Valley High School, joining us. You can read about her in Faces in the Crowd and Sports Illustrated. Amongst all of the attention, Emily, well-deserved in the articles and stories about you, I don't know if you know how cool it is to be in Faces in the Crowd for, for a lot, maybe even your folks, and I'm older than them, but that's always been kind of a special to me, Sports Illustrated and Faces in the Crowd. I always go there to see, hey, is there somebody there I might know? Do you understand, if your parents indicated to you or anybody else, just kind of how cool that is? Yeah, I've heard about it like a
2: couple of times, but I didn't really know how cool it was until my parents talked about it recently and were telling me all about it.
5: Good. When you were young and you were just starting to, to get involved in track and field, was there a point in which your, your track and field coach, or specifically long distance, was uh, overly excited over your potential, <laughs> knowing you, what you could do more than you knew what you could do? Did you get that sense that, that uh, the coaches were like, oh, okay, all right, let's, let's do this?
2: Yeah, I think I got that a little bit from, like, my middle school and high school coach. They're, yeah, always really motivating, and, like, they help push me and, like, realize, like, what I'm capable of doing.
5: Now, with that, and as a, as a junior, I don't, I don't know the rules, but how much are you getting hounded by recruits by, or by recruiters? <laughs> and what you, you know, has it already started, letters?
2: Yeah, I'm getting letters and, like, phone calls and stuff. Right now, I'm really just, like, keeping my options open. And, yeah, I have some visits planned out over the next couple months. So, yeah, I'm really just exploring right now.
5: Yeah, what we were wondering here on the show in the first hour, if the rules are the same for each sport, football, you get five. How many visits do you get?
2: Um, I think, yeah, it used to be a limit of five, but now it's unlimited.
5: Oh, unlimited? Unlimited as far as them paying the bill because it used to be five where they pay for it or unlimited if you got yourself to their school?
2: Yeah, unlimited, and then, yeah, each school pays for one official visit for you.
5: Wow, okay, and then um, does it bother you? Does it bother you to hear from all these people, and and they want something from you? Are you able to kind of put that aside, or does that weigh on you?
2: Uh, I think it can be um, a little bit, like, overwhelming, but... Overall, it's, like, really exciting just talking to these schools and, like, knowing that one of them could be where I'm, like, spending the next couple of years of my life. So, in that case, it's really exciting.
4: Emily Wisniewski, our guest on the Joe Beaver Show. Emily, you, you, you the articles that I've referred to from Jesse in in both of them that I've read recently, you have had to, in a sense, listen to your father, Mike, your mom, Lauren, and in hearing their wisdom and counsel saying, honey, sweetheart, you need every once in a while, you need to take a day off. <laughs> you know, you you just want to train and train and train every day, I'm sure, and day, taking days off didn't come naturally to you. So tell us how you've kind of worked all of that out and, and you're heeding what they're saying. How does that look in your life? Yeah, I, I've had to come
2: and realize that taking a day off is, like, good for you and that every athlete really needs to take, a break at some point, especially knowing that, um, yeah, every year I only get like two weeks of no running, like between seasons. So, yeah, you got to really take advantage of that and know that's helpful.
4: So Sundays is your day. Do you find have you f- found a good place, a peaceful place, on the Sundays when you're not running, or is it a little bit like, yeah, I'd really like to get out and go for a run right now?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean. A lot of times I'm like, oh, I really, especially if it's, like, awesome weather outside, I'm really mm-hmm. like, oh, I really want to go running right now. But, um, yeah, I find other things to do, like hanging out with my friends and, like, um, just, like, finding other hobbies to do.
5: It's interesting that the, the art of running competitively, uh, whether it be on a track or cross country, is, is more than just your body and how fast it can go for how long of a distance of time. It's also dealing with groups Elbows, shoulders, when when to break, when to hold back. Are you in the process right now, being so young, where you're learning all of those strategies when it comes to other runners around you and the strategy of uh, holding back or, or, uh, or going for it?
2: Um, are you, like, referring to, like, working on form at all?
5: form all kinds of things i know that if you're cross-country generally you're going to be by yourself especially when you're ahead of the group but there are strategies aren't there more than just go go run as fast and as long as you can
2: yeah definitely i think there's a lot of different things that play into it and especially for a lot of races like when i'm out there in the front uh you kind of have to learn to push yourself but when you're gr- running in a group you gotta like you can't go out too hard and you really gotta Um, listen to the people around you and yeah just know the right moment to make a move
5: have you had a chance uh now that you're kind of a a celebrity in 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 the case of all the records you're breaking and some of the some of the uh the the uh, races that you're you're involved in to meet anybody famous do you have runners that you look up to i know you're so early to the sport but did you do you have posters on your wall? Is there anybody that you uh, think is the coolest runner in the world and you got a chance to meet them or got very close to it?
2: Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't say I have anyone, like, specific, but um, it's always cool seeing, like, really big runners and, like, watching them achieve big goals and break big barriers. And, um, yeah, there's always some people that um, I look up to, but no, no one likes specifically.
4: Emily, do you have... Um... Has there been a moment or a race that gave you the most satisfaction? I mean, I read about some of the marks that you've said and the championships and the records that you're shattering. Has there been a special one for you, uh, the, Nike, uh, the, the, the 5K at the Nike Outdoor Nationals, perhaps, where <laughs> you had an incredible time uh, in the 5K? I'm just wondering if that or another moment stands out.
2: Yeah, I really enjoyed that race, the Nike Outdoor Nationals 5K. Um, Yeah, it was just a great moment. My first time doing a 5K on the track, and I really enjoyed it and was able to, like, get a really big PR, and it was, yeah, it was really fun. And I think it helped me realize what I could do for the cross-country season.
4: And with respect to John's question about, you know, heroes or people that you looked up to in the sport, that's a hallowed place in the history of, of track and field to run at Hayward Field. Did that did you sense that in any way, shape, or form? Like, oh yeah, some pretty good people have run here through the years.
2: Yeah, it's awesome. They hold really big meets there and there's always amazing athletes that get to run on that. And I think it's see, we're blessed that we get to have our state meet on that track, so
4: hmm. Hey before we let you go I'm curious you you mentioned you you found other things hanging out with friends but I'm just wondering if there's anything that's a go to for you for relaxation I read in Jesse's article Jesse so ceramics drawing painting paddle boarding skiing I mean <laughs> you know I mean do you find do you have, actually have the time and interest in some of these things
2: Yeah I mean during like the winter and the summer when I have more time I definitely like being outdoors so yeah, piling, fishing, camping, and then we'll in the winter we'll go skiing a couple times. I really enjoyed doing that. Uh, but uh, during uh, the yeah, when I have time during the school year, I do more like art and baking. So nice. yeah, I'm doing those ceramics, like Jesse said.
5: Now, as long as 40 years ago, when I was in high school, if we did any other sport, we were outlawed by our coaches. You cannot go skiing in the wintertime. <laughs> Someone, do they know you ski because... Uh, uh, Her parents know, well, and she knows. Okay. Uh, you must yeah. be good at it. <laughs> yeah, you must be good at it, and they don't worry too yeah. much about it. Yeah, I mean,
2: I'm, I wouldn't say I'm amazing, but,
5: uh,
4: yeah, I've got to be careful out there. Yeah. Hey, Emily, the, the final thing, because I... We're all, I think, fascinated by athletes who achieve such a high level uh, with the discipline, the training, and the approach. Is running, do you love it, or is it almost a monomaniacal type thing at times where I don't really love it, but I know it's who I am and what I got to do, and I got to grind through a long workout, but do you really enjoy the feelings you get, the runner's high, the thoughts that go through your mind wall on a long workout? Or does it sometimes just come down to, i got to grind through this thing?
2: Um, I'd say I'd love it. Um, I like every part of it and the training. And I think that is really helpful when it comes to running. Like, if you don't love it, then um, it can be really hard. And I also really like racing, which is also very helpful.
4: And do you consider our town as, a, as the high-level runner I've always felt Corvallis is, and I'm <laughs> jogged a little bit in my life. That's about the extent of my running, but I think Corvallis has a pretty good variety of ways to get runs in. Do you concur?
2: Yeah, I can agree. Really good spots to run, and like half a mile from my house, like 50 miles of trails to run on, which is amazing.
4: Yeah, good for you. Emily, we appreciate getting to meet you. Uh, Congratulations most recently on what happened at Glendevere, All of the the great accomplishments, the Rose City Championship noted in Sports Illustrated, 13.7 seconds off the previous mark, and then a uh, 17.05.85K, third consecutive 5A state title, eclipsing the previous meet record by 21 seconds. I mean... It's just an unbelievable what you've been accomplishing but I can tell you're doing so with a sense of gratefulness and humility through it all too is it does that sense of grounding come from your family your folks your your brother your siblings they kind of hey you're you're just a part of the family first and foremost
2: Yeah I think yeah definitely my family and my best friend are really big supporters of mine and they're always there no matter the day if it's a good day or a bad day so I'm really glad to have them
4: Emily, thank you for the time. Yeah, Congratulations on everything. We'll be continuing to follow you. We appreciate you making time for the Joe Beaver Show, and we'll, uh, we'll stay in touch. Thanks for joining us today, Emily. We appreciate, appreciate
2: it. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
4: Thank you. Thanks. Emily was new. Skin. What a sweet kid. No doubt. She just,
5: uh, you know, she's just runner. Yeah. And, and is better than she probably, well, I won't say realizes, but she's very humble. Very humble, and it's, it's, it's all about running. Most runners are, I, I find, really humble, and they just love the sport.
4: They just it's love it. It's a different kind of, yeah, it's a different kind of world. I would like to know from a
5: runner, though, or a coach, or someone mm-hmm. in the know, Louie, Louie, I would like to know, what's the difference between talent? What What is talent? So in basketball, talent is, wow, you just picked up a ball, and you're a really good shooter or any other sport, there's skills that are not normal to what the human body does and what everybody does in real life. You just do it really well. But what's a runner's talent? Because running is just running. We all run. Now, some people run with duck feet like myself, or some people run very smoothly. How, what does it mean when they say,
4: oh, that runner has talent? Well a good question and I, I do it's a very good question because i think that's almost at the heart of without limits the pre-fontaine uh-huh. story which i've spent a long time since i've watched it it's Great a good movie. film really good donald yeah. sutherland is yeah. bowerman and billy crudup plays uh pre but i think that they get into almost a philosophical argument about talent versus will
1: well, i'm just gonna
4: outwork everybody well, right right and and
5: bow ba- bowerman's Really strategy well, really well <laughs> yeah. played, by the way, by Donald right.
4: Sutherland. It was about strategy and Steve. You can't just go out. Yeah, and you've got to strategize this, Bill. I got to be out in front. Yeah, away. says I'm sorry, Bill, yeah. but I'm going to run until right. I can't run anymore. It's 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 well done, and from what you're getting at and driving at with this incredible sport, the primal the primary sport of all is, you know, the two thousand year old man. You know, how did you, the Mel Brooks routine, how did you get to be, you know, you've lived 2,000 years, uh, you know, what have you done? Well, I've done a lot of running. Well, what was your motivation for running? Mainly fear. <laughs> yes. Very funny. But, <laughs> but, well, they
5: kind of showed that, in without limits, because the bullies in the in, yeah. down in Marshfield were chasing him
3: through exactly. the woods. Exactly.
4: Good stuff. That's a good movie. Yeah. So we've got Without Limits and The Descendants. We'll all go watch. Don't watch wildlife, even though the line about Washington State is amusing. (laughs) Speaking of all of that, college football signing day. And the Beavers, according to Matt Norlander, about to play in the WCC in Mm -hmm. basketball? Yep. Is that what it sounds like? Yep. We'll talk to Angie about that and other things next show on Joe Radio. All right. So here's
5: what we've got as far as this uh, Dennis Dodd and... What's his name, Matt Norlander? Yeah, go back to the beginning. Matt Norlander, uh, cvssports.com, cvssports.com. The opening opening, uh, salvo here is the latest bend to conference realignment has popped in in the Pacific Northwest. Oregon State and Washington State are in line to join the West Coast Conference as affiliate members and play league games with the exception of football and baseball against West Coast Conference
4: schools for the next 2 years. Keep going. So, keep I uh, keep reading that. I just talked to Angie, she's, you know, kind of digesting this too and Angie will join us to talk about signing day stuff and other things in just a couple of minutes. But keep reading because there was something in the language used by Dodd that you shared when you read that to me. Earlier, Dennis Dodd's favorite thing is to say the Beavers are a Mountain West school, and it bothers me. Anyway, what else you got? I'm trying
5: to scroll, and my phone's frozen. It won't scroll down, but barring any major drastic action that is not anticipated, league presidents and athletic directors are scheduled to vote and approve the measure this Thursday morning. For men's and women's basketball, this means the nine-school West Coast Conference would enlarge to 11 teams for the next two seasons, increasing the conference's appeal, and scheduling power in the process. In football, Oregon State and Washington State already have separate agreements in place for 24 with the Mountain West. The West Coast Conference does not have football. Industry speculation over the past two months centered around the idea that OSU and Washington State would follow football's lead and eventually link with the Mountain West in all sports, but logistical and ongoing legal concerns have combined to make a move in basketball and non-revenue sports difficult at this time, the source said. In becoming de facto West Coast conference members from July of 24 through June of 26 Oregon State and Wazoo will uh, he wrote it out Wazoo will also compete for regular season and postseason West Coast conference titles that means they're eligible for automatic qualifier status for NCAA championship events most notably basketball's NCAA tournament quote, they will be eligible for AQ status and will play under the West Coast Conference flight, one source said. Their games will count uh, in the standings, and in basketball, the league schedule will inflate from 16 games to 18 or 20, a source said. Tweaks to the WCC tournament format are also coming. The financial payouts for NCAA tournament units have not been disclosed. Those units earned for each tournament victory are based on an average monetary value of a league's annual tournament success. Because of Gonzaga's influence on the league, the West Coast Conference's arrangement differs from most. This, uh, this
4: is I've never seen this word before, Michael. Bifurcated. Bifurcation. Bifurcated. Yeah, Uh, it's a. I once read a sentence saying the moiety of the bifurcation reveals that. Okay. Moiety of the bifurcation. This
5: bifurcated mm -hmm. conference move by OSU and Wazoo is believed to be unprecedented in college sports history. Then again, so is the collapse of a 108-year-old <laughs> league. The deal was quietly negotiated in the past few weeks by WCC Commissioner Stu Jackson.
4: The former Oregon player yeah, and pro- coach of the New York Who Knicks. has a
5: lifelong basketball background and was hired away from the Big East in April after nine years with that league. The news is the latest positive push for OSU and Washington State. The duo recently kept their grip on voting rights and financial control. Oregon State and Washington State are in a legal battle, blah, blah, blah. We mm-hmm. already know that. The outgoing Pact 12 schools had been working through the courts. Okay, da, 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 Oregon and Washington State were in effect hung out dry. With scheduling arrangements now in time for the near future, OSU and Washington State can continue to determine how to potentially salvage the Pac-12 as a league. So they'll be in the West Coast Conference with for them. Two for two seasons in basketball, according now, to Now, what was report. interesting was uh, football does its own thing. We already know and that. And baseball. baseball. Right. Now, what's the story on I, baseball? I guess we're
4: going to find that out, and I, I hope to make a call or two. I know a pe- some people within the baseball program, I—, I I think I still know who they are, and we'll try to get a feel for that. There may there, the Big West. I hear I've heard down you know could be a better a quote unquote better baseball league to be involved with. So maybe there'll be an announcement down the road about that, Oregon State or playing a quasi independent schedule. I don't know. Okay, well they they go on to write it's a two season bridge gap
5: before the next college football playoff TV contract can begin in twenty six. What happens with OSU-Wazoo beyond the spring of 26 is foggy. Sources told CBS Sports the Mountain West would have interest in a long-term partnership with the two as full members once everything legal and financial is sorted out in the months, years to come, with the fallout of the Pac-12 as it stands in football for 24. The schools won't be eligible for the Mountain West championship game, unlike basketball and other sports. They will essentially be independent. We already know that. In baseball, Oregon State is a strong enough program – it intends to play as an independent Okay. in the near
4: term, sources said, with Washington State doing the same. Okay, that that sounds plausible to me. I had heard Big West thrown around. This is Matt Norlander and Dennis Dodd reporting on CBSSports.com. If you want to go in and take a look at it yourself, what we're going to do next, Angie Machado has been absorbing all of this news. We don't have confirmation from anybody within OSU Athletics to say, well, this is what Scott Barnes or Sarah or Yo or any. I, but they make the point, John, it sounds like this official announcement, according to this story, would be tomorrow, Thursday. Yeah, that's right. That's tomorrow. Or uh, The vote on it was tomorrow
5: <clears throat> by the president.
4: Now, if it's all true and if you have any initial reaction via the University Honda text line four nine seven fifty three fifty six, I like it. If this indeed is what you found, the West Coast Conference is a good basketball conference and Gonzaga is a national power. Yeah. I mean, that's a great landing spot for a couple of years while you rebuild your own brand to build the pack to into whatever the pack is going to be down the road, and I still believe that's the long-term outcome. Not just a slide into the Mountain West in two years. Well, I don't a like, building back out. Yeah, I don't. I don't like the part
5: where they say the what. The, uh, and I, yeah. I, get, I get it. It's really the Mountain West Conference speaking for themselves, saying, "Yeah, we'd be interested yes. in a partnership." Yes. What I'd mm-hmm. like to see written in there is something along the lines of, "But the Pac-12 said we're not interested. Yeah. Don't even right. come and after us." Right, and
4: they can't. They can't. They're working with. They have an alliance, a two-year agreement. They're not going to say, well, in the end, we're not going to have We're not going to be in that But we want to hear that. I know. But I I do think Dodd, who right away, Dodd said, Oregon State's about to join the Mountain West. I mean, that was just, they've moved off of that just cold, hard language into a much deeper dive into Oregon State and Washington State's situation. And if that's all true, what they just wrote, that's good reporting on their part because Mm -hmm. it sounds like they got it first. Right. But Angie Machado will have all of the reaction to it in the Lodge and Beaver Blitz and talk about the signing day. A little bit going on in her world. She's in Corvallis getting ready for the Trent Bray Media Availability at 2 today to discuss the signing class, and she'll join us next to talk about that on the Joe Beaver Show on Joe Radio. Well, <laughs> not much going on these days, Yeah, but everything that is going on is broken down in no better in-depth way with analysis, reporting, than Angie Machado's beaverblitz.com, which will have reporting and, and reaction to some news that, in fairness, I'm sure she'll acknowledge because mm-hmm. we're both just sort of hit during the course of the Joe Beaver Show today, cbssports.com, Dennis Dodd, Matt Norlander, have broken a story. Now, we're going to talk signing day stuff here in a moment with Angie as well, but our good friend and publisher of beaverblitz.com, part of the family 24-7 sports, Angie joins us on the Joe Beaver Show. So, Angie, like the rest of us on this very busy, crazy time, this story comes in. First of all, do you think it's well, I mean, d- does it sound plausible, and what's your reaction to it?
6: Yeah, no, I, I, and I just got to Corvallis uh, right. for Coach Bray's transfer, uh, West Conference, so yeah, you called, and I was just seeing the news itself. I had heard that things were in the works for other sports. Um, I, you know, I for it's really it's big for basketball, just because you know they don't offer Mountain or West Coast Conference does not have men's rowing, gymnastics, track and field, or wrestling. So there's some other sports there that are going to have to maybe cobble some things together. But I think for basketball, it's a it's a win. Um, because it's a good basketball conference. I could see some other, you know, baseball, it sounds like, could be going independent um, and putting together a schedule. I I think that won't be too difficult with with the Pac-12 or the old Pac-10, I guess. The the departing 10 will be looking for some out-of-conference games. So I don't think that is a a huge worry. But, you know, gymnastics, wrestling, um, uh, rowing, I I think they're going to have to look maybe toward, you know, maybe some Big 12 scheduling and, and some things like that.
4: Yeah, but initial reaction to the idea of Oregon State men's and women's hoops competing in the WCC as a bridge for the next couple of years. I mean, that's a pretty good landing spot mm-hmm. for those programs, isn't it, Angie?
6: Oh, absolutely. And honestly, I I didn't I, I was really fearing that we would see that another Mountain West, um, and and frankly, that would just kind of keep creating this narrative, this false narrative that Oregon State and Washington Washington State are somehow destined for the Mountain West. So.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: Um, I do think the, the West Coast Conference is a, is a perfect landing spot right now for, for a two-year span as as the two schools are trying to rebuild the pack to an, or figure out where, where they end up.
4: And Angie, in that respect, I'm glad you touched on that piece of it because Dennis Dodd has been among the many but well, I think almost first and foremost, early on. Well, Oregon State and Washington State will soon. It's an imminent move to join the Mountain West. It, it's ironic that it's com that breaks mm. something that's kind of counter to that narrative.
6: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, Dennis Dodd is very connected. But, um, yeah, I, all this talk about, you know, that that's where Oregon State and Washington State are going to end up inevitably, I don't agree with. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, do... Because that would be, like we talked about, you know, for months now, that would be, in essence, a death sentence for Oregon State and Washington State. So, um, you know, do we see a world down the road where Oregon State and Washington State maybe can add some Mountain West schools to the pack, the newly built Pac-10, Pac-12, whatever it happens to be, absolutely. Um, but this whole narrative that the two are just going to, dissolve into the
4: night and join the Mountain Mm -hmm. West is is a false narrative. Okay. Angie, last thing on this, and we'll turn attention to this thing called signing day that's going on, but how do you react to this type of thing? Are you, Jake Hedberg, others immediately getting something out on Blitz? If you haven't already, do you repost? I'm just wondering from how you go about your business and then get reaction in the lodge from Beaver Nation. I mean, what happens now for you and Jake and the Beaver Blitz staff?
6: Yeah, yeah, so Jake's actually at home up in Westland, so he'll probably, so Dennis Dodd, we are, you know, 24-7 is our parent company, and we are actually a CBS affiliate. So, you know, Dennis Dodd, and, and that is part of the CBS family of, of sports. So we will, we have actually already posted it in the Lodge, so there's okay. already a ton of discussion going on there. Um, yes, yeah, some story will go up, whether it's a press release. Um, this isn't us needing maybe to recreate the wheel, but um, we mm-hmm. will offer our insights into the Lodge, so um, there will be, post in the lodge, but, um, it has been a, a signing day centric yeah. and it's, it hasn't been really a boring signing day either. So, um, it's been a, I, I was actually going to plan on being home all day to working <laughs> kind of the back end. And then I decided I really needed to come down for, for Bray's press conference. Um, so that's, yeah, mm-hmm. I jumped in the car today at like 1030 and, and made my way down to Corvallis. So I'm sitting in my car right now outside the Valley Center, um, working and, and getting ready for, for another press conference. But, um, yeah, we there's already, like I said, tons of reaction about this West Coast Conference. Beaver fans and the Lodge seem, you know, excited. I, hmm. I think it is the the best choice or the best landing spot for especially men's and women's basketball for yeah. at least two years.
5: It's it's a great conference for that sport. All right, so ten signees today. Is that the number that they were expecting?
6: Yeah, there's been a couple. You know, um, there's I'm pulling up my list because it's gotten really super convoluted. I don't know. I mean. If I say it's convoluted, I have a feeling you guys think it's convoluted because <laughs> I follow this. Right, um, Because you have the transfer portal guys that are coming in. You have some JUCO transfers that would sign along with the preps. Um, it's been a wild, gosh, it's been a wild three and a half weeks here since the announcement Coach Smith was leaving um, to now trying watching the original commit class kind of move over toward Michigan State and now Oregon State um, trying to add, add their commits But, yeah, right now I'm showing, yeah, 10 10 actual commits, um, but that's not taking into account um, some of the JUCO and the the transfer guys.
5: So with that, and I think I asked you this last time, so I'll ask it one more time. The prepsters and the JUCOs are rated one way, and then transfer portals are rated another, like Oregon State is number whatever in the rankings of how they did. Is that correct? Preps and JUCOs one way, transfers another.
6: Yes, absolutely. So right now, um, and this is based, this was, I guess, just updated, overall rank 74, um, and then the transfer rank at 31.
5: And is it not true that we've discovered over the last 10 years and talking about this, and when even before we started talking with you on a regular basis, and we were always talking with Greg Biggins, that it seems to be that a ranking can be based quite a lot on the total number of, of recruits that you get, even if they're not any good. It seems like if you have a low number, you're not ranked very high. If you have a real high number, you are ranked higher. Is that correct?
6: Yeah, they take into account the top 20, like your top 20 commits. So, um, like right now, we're or actually organized is sitting at nine letters of intent signed. Um, so it's, it's taking those, those nine committed or signed LOIs. Um, for
4: the ranking, Angie, I so here's something I don't fully understand. Will today you have to wait for a portal to close on January second? Actually, specifically, if you're Trent Bray today to talk about people that have reportedly committed in the portal, you understand my question?
6: Yeah, no. So, and I don't understand that completely. So, the portal guys, the portal transfer guys, don't sign like a binding LOI. Mm-hmm. So, right now, the only guys signing things would be your JUCOs and your PREPs. Now, transfers can sign a non-binding financial aid agreement, but that doesn't mean it's binding. So right now, honestly, even though there's guys that have said they committed um, transfers, theoretically, you're kind of in hold-on mode until they actually show up to school in January.
4: And that's what the whole jacoby thomas type thing happened. Yeah. oh, he's committed and you know, all of that, but yes. he's not really. There's no binding commitment for portal guys at this point as far as you know.
6: No, and yeah. that and that's what made this is as making this whole portal thing even more nuts than it is and and why I think there needs to be some more guardrails. I mean, this is worse than free agency to be yeah. completely honest. Yeah. I mean, this is it is nuts. So you yeah, you have someone like Jacoby Thomas who comes out from Tennessee Middle Tennessee State, he comes out, he loves his visit, says, yep, I commit. Um, the next day, then, he announces, yes, I'm committed to Oregon State. But then Tennessee calls him, hometown, dream school, and, you know, has him out for a visit, and, oh, he changes his mind. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really no different than a prep in saying that they're committed. But, um, you know, because a, a prep, any prep could, could say, yeah, I'm committed, and then flip their commitment. Right. But, um, there, yeah, there's nothing that's binding these young men until they, like, actually show up and they're enrolled in school.
5: All right, so this class of preps, these nine guys, I see ten on their board, I don't know. Okay,
6: yeah, there there might have been another one that's popped up um, while I was driving down. So
5: these ten kids, these ten kids, uh, athletes from all, all over, this is a, a, um, a marker class. In other words, these kids should be celebrated 10, 20, 30 years from now. They'll be known as the very first class that said yes to Oregon State out of high school, despite the unknown, despite the Pac-2 versus Pac-12, despite everything that's negative. These 10 kids, these 10 athletes said yes to Oregon State to follow that up. How many of these kids were original or how many of them were gets after some of the original nine I think it was decided to go elsewhere
6: yeah no that you're right I mean these these guys were um, and and to the job that that coach Bray I mean think about this it was three weeks ago today coach Bray was announced as head coach so he's had to put together a staff and a recruiting class or you know start of a recruit, recruiting class I mean remember we still have February signing day and another portal window, but um, it's it's basically unreal. When you lose the majority of your actual commit class that have been committed and you lose a couple of your top players um, to the portal to to get this kind of put together. So, you know, a couple guys I think you should highlight, though, especially because they have stuck with it, they were committed to the last staff and they stayed committed, would be um, cornerback Exodus Ayers. He's out of Proctor Academy in um, New Hampshire, originally from, uh, New Mexico.
3: Mm-hmm. Dylan
6: Sikorsky, an offensive lineman from Sumner, Washington. Dexter Foster, a linebacker from Central Catholic up in Portland. Um, and then also uh, Malachi Durant. I don't know if he's actually signed yet, but we are expecting him. Wide receiver from Graham Capsowin. Yeah, he's not on Washington. the board.
5: He's not on the board okay. yet.
6: So there, there's three guys, and I know Eddie Fruoff uh, out of Prineville, he told me that he is actually waiting until February to sign just because he wants to uh, talk with coach Henson a little more. Mm. He's a, he's an athlete wide receiver. And then I haven't heard about Martin Connington, um, a punter out of Idaho, but um, those are a couple that were originally committed. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, those guys right there, I think um, really, you know, it's a hat tip to those guys, but um, a couple of good stories. Cornell Hatcher is a, is a running back out a Corona Centennial. One of the, a powerhouse school down in, in SoCal. Um, he, he had 42 touchdowns this year, you guys, 42, mm-hmm. um, as a running back, 5'11", 205 pounds. And his uncle is actually Armin Hatcher. Um, mm-hmm. a, a former Beaver great back in the, in the late nineties. Um, so couple, you know, uh, Salah had Allah out of Lamarck, Texas. Another, he's a running back, another running back. He hits the hole really quick, but, um, kind of a fun story there. He actually, um, one of his mentors and coaches, is Kendall Hill, um, former Oregon State DB back in, like, what, 2012, 2013. So, um, yeah, some good stories there. Mm.
4: And, Angie, in saying all of that, I mean, even even when the Beavers were not a conference known as the Pac-10 or the Pac-12 back in those days, <laughs> they always had to find diamonds in the rough in order to, and you used to say, I think you jokingly said, Cal's recruiting method was, let's see who Oregon State has offered, and then we'll go offer them because we know they do such a great job in evaluating people. The, so this staff now, challenged more than ever in these uncertain times, what do you make of the job they, Trent, on the fly these last three weeks, what they've been doing in this uh, recruiting world, and is it the same old methodology you see at work in terms of finding people with value?
6: Yeah, no, that's that was a Coach Riley thing. Back when Coach Riley was, was the coach here at Oregon State, that was a joke. I mean it was you know, Cal's gonna just watch who Oregon State and Riley recruit <laughs> and then offer those guys. Um, so no, I mean I do. I what this staff has done in such a short amount of time, I, I think I've I've said this and I don't know if I've said it on the air with you guys, but what Trent has done, you know, I, I know there's been some talk about the staff and you know, maybe questioning, just they don't have a ton of coaching, you know, pedigree necessarily, but goodness gracious, these guys are going to be tireless recruiters. Um, I, I love the staff they put together as far as recruiting goes, um, and they, they're showing that. I mean, these guys are on the phone. They are, you know, bringing guys out for visits. Um, this has been a tireless effort, and and I think at the end of the day, it, it goes back to that Oregon State. You know, so many are former Oregon State players that, that learned under Riley or Erickson, and, and it's that, um, you know, it's not like any of those coaches were bringing in five-star guys. So, um, you bring in a, a three-star, and you co- that wants to be at Oregon State, and you coach him up and and make him, um, you know, top top in the in the position. And that's what we're seeing. You know, we've seen a lot of these guys go on to the NFL even recently, that maybe weren't super highly recruited or really highly ranked. But um, you know, that's the goal: bringing guys that want to be here and want to work hard and. Um, coach them up and and uh, let them do their
4: thing the composition of the staff that you've touched on with us and that you know is still not f- fully done but you've already touched on the relentless recruiting part of it but you also feel like it you know and the we'll see how the dc thing rolls out that's not settled but we hear one name that keeps coming up the oc and ryan gunderson what do you make of, of, of those two key positions, if if it does indeed go to Keith at some point? That's what we keep reading and hearing. Those are two key positions. How do you feel about if it comes out that way with Keith and then Ryan, how that sets up?
6: Yeah, I mean, I I've I laughed. I'm like, if this thing works out, this is a 30 for 30, like, waiting to happen. How, or if they kind of rebuilt themselves or you know, kept, things, kept momentum going, I guess, when times got tough with a bunch of alumni. So
3: mm-hmm. you know, my
6: sources do indicate Keith Hayward will be the defensive coordinator, and um, it's, it's just a contractual issue with, his, with the Las Vegas Ra- Raiders right now that is, is keeping him um, in Vegas. But you know, Ryan Gunderson, there's been some talk. You know, he's never been an OC before, but I think when you look at Trent Bray, never been a head coach mm-hmm. before, he needs to surround himself with people he trusts. And so he's been around Gunderson you know, at, at Nebraska, at Oregon State. You um, know, he needs to be around guys that, I mean, they're, they're going to spend a lot of time together. So they need to trust each other, like each other, um, and know that they can work well together. So I, I see this group, you know, if you, like you look at those top three with Keith Hayward, Ryan Gunderson, and, and Trent Bray. I mean, here's three former Beavers. They know exactly what it's like to be here. I mean, Coach Smith used that shtick a lot about, you know, I've walked mm-hmm. those halls, I've sat mm-hmm. in those lecture halls. Well, here you got three of them right there too to to give you the same you know they've been here they've done it they've won big games here and um they want to be here and i think that at the end of the day they could have they all had different jobs they weren't they weren't unemployed they weren't um you know hurting for for work and they've decided to step up and make this you know keep this place rolling and um i think deeper nation should be excited
4: the final thing then is Keep the thing rolling. And the Beavers have had some really good on-field success in building. You know, it's it, And so to have certain things kind of pulled out and the change and the, the upheaval and all of that we've all been dealing and wrestling with, given all of that, all things considered, and all the messages that are in the ears of potential recruits and kids in the portal about Oregon State's dire future, you feel like this group of coaches is countering that in a really effective way in your opinion, Angie?
6: Absolutely. You know, there's, there's so many things Oregon State's going up against right now, whether it's the, you know, the negative recruiting, um, you know, there's, there's been questions of like, well, I mean, recruit or, or coaches are telling kids Oregon State's not going to have an athletic department. I mean, come on. I yeah. mean, we've heard a lot, but that might be over the top. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um.
6: But, but now they have to combat that with the NIL and, and some of mm-hmm. the amounts of money being thrown at, at these young athletes. And it, it, it's absolutely mind blowing to yes. hear some of this stuff. So, um, you know at the end of the day, these coaches are are given it they all they're they 're getting in some living rooms and um, you know making the pitch so they 're not going to get every one of them but um, there 's a classic use like you said earlier, these are guys that want to be here, and um, I think beaver Nation should just be excited and get behind them
4: Angie, we know you got a lot of work to do between now and Trent bray 's press availability. Glad you made the trip down. Always glad that you make time for us in Beaver Blitz, the place to go for immediate reaction right now. Give yourself a, a Christmas gift and sign up and get in there and read about how your core, your heart and core audience is reacting to the latest news. That's a pitch for you, but I'm sure you would say amen to it.
6: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and there's a special today, a signing day special. So, cool. yeah, get yourself a Christmas gift.
4: Thanks a lot, Angie. We'll see you later. Thanks, Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Angie Machado, our guest. Doc, are we down the stretch? we stand staying straight up on the fan. Yeah, we only have two minutes. Okay. What a day. I know. It's, it's uh, impossible to keep up with.
5: This has been the busiest, most happening Joe Beaver show season ever in 20 I think years. so. I mean, the only other times we've had anything were coaching changes at other schools. And 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 we've had our own here when Dennis. But not coaching changes at the same Mm -hmm. time you have NIL, at the same time Mm -hmm. you have Portal. Right. And then, oh, I think
4: I'm going to go work out for the NFL draft, even though I'm probably not going to get drafted. Uh, And then this little matter of what's your schedule going to be and what conference you're going to be in in two years and who you're going to play and what sports. We've never had no, anything
5: like this. no. It's been crazy, uh, fun in in a weird way. <laughs> yes, you no. Know, it's 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 exciting in a in a, a weird way. But but um, I I like this uh, this thought of the West Coast Conference for basketball. I do
4: too. I don't want to get used to it. Just initially reacting to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I thought, oh, I like the sound of that. And baseball. I think I use the phrase quasi-independent, meaning well, you're what you're quasi. I mean, you're either independent, independent or you're independent. not. It could be. That's at least unless there's a big West aspect to it. Uh, uh, I, 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 it's I, going to be
5: interesting. You you do have a lot of schools that would want to play you because you yes. need to fill in their their schedule. You can still go pretty much to ASU, Arizona, because well, they right. have to travel so much. Right. Yeah. Why wouldn't they want to play some games against
4: Oregon State? See if maybe. Just maybe try to find out some things through. I need to know more. What's the word on the street, Johnny? Get, get need to go to the. Um, I need everything. to go to the Omniscient Shoeshine Man and find out what's
5: next. <laughs> I wish there was one. Yeah,
4: me too. But we, we got close to it with Angie today. Yeah. Johnny, we've got one more tomorrow, correct? That's it. Okay, see you tomorrow.